Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I've got Coach Keith Chesley here with me. He is the uh, assistant basketball coach at West Point uh, Army. So thanks for being here. Yeah, no, I appreciate you having me. This is uh, you know, an awesome experience. Yeah, well, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give us some context. You grew up in Maine. Kind of talk about your upbringing. Yeah, well, um, you know, it's something that uh, not a lot of people experience, not a lot of people in my profession from that area of the country. There's not uh, a lot of people that have grown up there and kind of moved away. Um, You know, my whole family is from there. They all live there currently still. Um, You know, I'm I'm the black sheep of the family that's gone off and is no longer home. So, um, you know, but I was really blessed um, growing up and, and really, really lucky. My family um you know really took care of me I, you know my mom my dad my mom was a my mom is a she works full-time for a, a summer camp with children and adults with with uh disabilities um my dad is a special ed teacher um you know they both played my you know they both played basketball you know coming up through they played a lot all sports actually um you know and that's kind of where my love for sport really started was with all of them um you know that that summer camp that I talked about uh, with my mom is something that really shaped me and who I am um you know since I was two years old my so my dad actually works out there during the summers as well as my mom's full-time job um it you know I lived out there from when I was two to when I was 23 when I moved away to to Florida State but um you know that taught me a lot of really, really important lessons in life. And it's something that is really made me who I am today. And it's like um, something that's really, really unique. So it's a summer camp for children and adults with disabilities from all ages and ranges um, from um, eight year old kids to, you know, 80 year old adults. Um, really? Yeah. No, it's, it's a really, really cool experience. Um, I ran the, um, waterfront and boating recreation area when I became older. It was, it was a pretty sweet gig, you know, just drive yeah. it, it was pretty cool. But, um, you know, it, it made me kind of, you know, who I am today. It made me appreciate my life. It made me um, very, very thankful for what I have in my life um, and the people that I have met and the people that I have in my life. Um, and I think it's just always made me very appreciative for everything that I have growing up. Um, and you know, that, that I was, I was lucky. Um, and some of the people there are the, the best friends I've ever had in my life, whether it's a camper or a staff member, or like it, people I still stay in touch with to this day. Um, you know, it's something that really, really, uh, you know, made me who I am. Um, it was, it was an awesome experience for me. Um, you know, outside of that, um, I went to a small, small 
Um, actually, the state of Maine, it's a big high school, but in the rest of the world, it's a really small high school. Okay. Um, I graduated, you know, like 170 kids. Um, you know, we were the top division um, in high school. Um, you know, it, it was a it, it was a awesome high school experience. Um, I only played one year of varsity basketball. Um, you know, basketball is my livelihood now. And when I was in high school, I only played one year. Um, you know, something else has kind of driven me to have the determination and everything that I do now. Um, you know, <clears throat> I was hurt a lot. I had three back surgeries. I had uh, surgeries on both my arms and my leg and, you know, I limited my ability to play and do those things um, when, when I was in high school. So um, I was finally healthy my senior year. I played. It was, you know, unbelievable it was a you know small town but you know every night we had a game place was sold out was sold out you know place was packed you know it was hot as heck in there like you smell it. I, I can smell it right now honestly the, the popcorn and the hot dogs out in the lobby um you know it, it was an awesome place to you know play athletics and go to school and you know do do all those things um you know, I, I went to um, a small college, um, University of Maine Augusta. Had, had a pretty good career. Um, you Very know, good career. Just uh, you don't have to be <laughs> humble on that. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that, but yeah, um, you know, it, it was awesome. Um, met the best friends of my life there, and um, met my soon-to-be wife there. Um, you know, it, it was a, you know, a place that I'll always cherish for sure. Um, you know, a place I never thought I would go to school. Um, and then I was there for four years and, you know, something I would never want to change. Yeah. Was that kind of the place you wanted to go to school, like growing up, what kind of the goal or? Yeah. So it really wasn't, to be honest. Um, you know, if you asked me 10 years ago, I, I thought I would be a doctor. Um, you know, I, I figured out pretty quick in college and I'm definitely not smart enough for that. <laughs> I think if you looked at my high school yearbook, I had said I was going to be a surgeon or something, you know, pretty quick. I was like, yeah, that, that ain't it. Uh -huh. <laughs> well, it's all worked out. So, yeah, no question. Um, but yeah, I didn't think I was going to go there. Um, you know, there were a couple higher academic schools that I, I thought I was going to go to um, some D3 stuff in, in Southern Maine. Um, University of New England was one of them that, you know, I, I thought I may go to um, Kobe Sawyer in New Hampshire was another one. Um, you know, I, I missed out on so much basketball. Um, and that was what was really, really important to me. I got really good grades and I did all of those things and I had great friends and but like, I missed out on so much of that high school experience that I really, really wanted to be able to focus on basketball and I really wanted to do those things, but it, it was hard for me to get recruited because I was a six one, if I'm being nice, center when I was in high school. Really? You're a yeah, center. Our, oh yeah, I was our five man for sure. Wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. It's crazy. I only shot one three my entire high school career. Really? Um, yeah, nuts. I got to college. I shot six a game, so uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of changed a little bit. Yeah, I'm assuming, and you definitely weren't a post in in college, so no, definitely not. No. Yeah, well, so that was really important to me. Yeah, I, I kind of want to tie back in to basketball, but going back to the camp real quick. What are some of the lessons you talked about? You learned a lot of valuable stuff there. Obviously, it was kind of a family deal where you're sitting there with your mom and your dad in the summers, and you're getting all this great life experience and 
and really you talk about uh, gratitude and appreciation for what you do have. What are some other examples of kind of the lessons that you learned uh, being at that camp? Yeah, so yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I, honestly, I learned so much. Uh, I could probably talk an entire hour on on just my experience there. Um, you know, I thought I had it rough at times growing up. Um, like I said, you know, three back surgeries. I had surgery on both my arms, my leg, like there was things that I couldn't do. I couldn't go hang out with my friends all the time. Um, you know, I couldn't go be active. I couldn't play the sports I wanted that were you know, more important to me than almost anything in the world. And, you know, I couldn't go do those things. Um, <clears throat> and so the place is called Pine Tree Camp. Um, and it is, um, you know, it holds a really, really special place in my heart. It was, um, you know, it, it taught me, a lot of things to value relationships is one, um, you know, like I said, I, I met so many people from all over the world with that were staff there and that were campers there. Um, you know, staff wise, you know, I got to work with my mom and my dad every day and my sister, um, which was awesome, you know, so I've just spent so much time with them. Um, my aunt and uncle also worked out there and their kids. And so we lived with them, you know, we lived literally right next door. I could throw a rock and hit their, their cabin. Uh, yeah. And then, you know, I'm getting married next week. Three of the guys that worked out there um, are in my wedding. Uh, actually four of them. Sorry. I lied. I forgot about one. So <laughs> four of them are in my wedding. Um, you know, so just those relationships that I built out there, you know, lifelong brotherhoods was almost like a team in a, in a strange sense. If that makes sense. Uh, we worked such long hours and such long days, and it was, uh, you know, that part of the experience was incredible. Um, and then the campers that you meet out there are some of the most genuine people that you ever met in your life. Um, they are <clears throat> just so happy for life and for what they have and what, what they get to do on a daily basis. I was able to you know, as the boating waterfront director, I, I kind of joked about it, like I just drove boats all day, but it was, you know, something that, that some of the cameras look forward to for all year. Um, and then, you know, I was able to, to help them with that. Um, you know, maybe that's a little selfish. It makes me feel good. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that's human nature. Um, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes people with disabilities, people don't know what to expect and they don't people don't have a lot of uh, experience with those people and they, they are just regular people just like you and I that are um, looking for the same experiences and that's what we got to provide at at Pine Tree Camp was uh, you know an example of a, a quote-unquote normal summer camp um, for for that population and it was um, seeing the joy and how they went through life is just something that I'll never forget and obviously pretty passionate about it. And, um, you know, if I wasn't in coaching, uh, you know, I'd be teaching, um, I, my degrees in special education, um, you know, it's something that, that, you know, holds a dear spot in my heart for sure. Yeah. And obviously like you talking about those experiences, the relationships you developed, uh, the work ethic, obviously long hours, you build a camaraderie with your buddies and you said you have four of them in your wedding here next week. So, uh, you have special relationships, but also, want to point out too, kind of like coaching you, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but 
you know, coaching very much. So for people is, is a way to help someone achieve goals and just be, just to be a part of, of kind of their life and help them in a, in a little certain aspect or phase of it. And to see the joy and excitement uh, of someone like the kids you're working with, <clears throat> excuse me, the ability to, to be kind of a, a positive point to their day or their year really is uh, something that, you know, not like self-seeking, but it, it actually does sometimes more for us than sometimes it might feel like it does for them. And it, it's just really kind of a win-win. So it's really cool that you got to do that. And so you have these experiences, you obviously going and playing basketball growing up, being involved in sports. You said you had a lot of, you know, uh, injuries that kind of limited you for playing time and the things you wanted to do. Uh, can you look back and see some of those campers that you talked about how they battled some adversity and made you thankful for what you have? Like, where did that come into play where when you were going through these injuries and things that you wanted to be doing, you couldn't do, but you kept going back and fighting and getting healthy. And then maybe again, it's another setback, but you just keep going. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll kind of touch on it. So one of the, one of the guys I'm closest with, uh, at that camp, his name is Eddie Henry. Um, he is a man. It's probably, close to 60-ish year old man um, with cerebral palsy. Um, you know, a great, great friend of mine. Um, you know, I'll probably see him here next week when I go home um, and kind of have what you talked about on setback after setback after setback. You know, he has gone through his life with, with cerebral palsy and has been, when he first started coming to camp, camp's been open for 75 years. So he's came to camp ever since he was a little kid and he was eight years old. And, you know, now he's, you know, almost 60 and has been here the entire time. He's come every summer. Um, you know, every summer slowly got a little bit worse for him. So he, you know, started out, he he walked. Um, he walked down the hill in the camp and he was doing those things and he was able to do a ton of activities with not much help. And he, he was able to, to do a lot more on his own. Um, every year, progressively, slowly, you know, got a little bit worse. Um, he's in a wheelchair now um, and he has been for several years and, you know, still every year, just a little bit worse with his motor skills. And, um, <clears throat> you know, he, he, he tells a lot of stories about his time at camp and it, it it's funny, that that might be for a different podcast, but okay. <laughs> um, I get a little carried away about it, but, uh, <laughs> you know, relating that to my life, you know, you know, Eddie's life, compared to my life, my life has, is, has not had nearly as many hardships as his has. Um, you know, and if he finds a way every single day to wake up, he has a full, he has a full-time job. Um, he, he works at a Walmart that is a mile from his house. You know, he gets up every day and he gets in his wheelchair and he walks to work um, every single day. You know, he works really hard for what he has. And he is extremely happy with what he does and who he gets to meet and who he is with. And, you know, if, if a guy like Eddie Henry can do that, like I can also do that. I mean, I had a back surgery, like I'm fine. I'm walking, I'm playing basketball again. Like I'm hanging out with my friends. Like I'm, I'm okay. Like, you know, it, it's nothing that you should ever uh, boo poor me, like move on. Like life, life is too short to, you know, be upset with what you don't have and what you can't do. Like embrace what you have and what you can do and, and go with it. It's kind of how I've 
try to live my life and I hope, you know, that's how kind of people see how I live my life, but you know, that's what I try to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's such a good point. Well, you wind up going and playing at the university of Maine at Augusta. And uh, you talked about saying you had a good career. You had a great career. You're the, the school's all time leading scorer and points, but you know, what I didn't realize is you only played one year. I didn't realize that. And, and so you have these injuries and these setbacks and still you go on your center in high school and then you go and you play and obviously not a center in college, but what was that like just to be able to talk about the, the kind of the, the backstory of the preparation, the work you put in, the hours you put in, because it's easy to look at that and think, Oh man, that's uh that's awesome to be lean scorer. Probably came easy for him. Just talk about the work and the, the grunt behind doing all that stuff. Yeah, it was yeah, everything other than easy. That's for sure. Um, you know, like I said, missed a ton of stuff in high school. Um, you know, and, and I was, I was just another guy like on our high school team. You know, I, I started, I didn't start in the very beginning because I wasn't part of the team. A lot of those guys were playing varsity basketball for two, three years and I was never there. Um, like I was part of the team. I went to all the games. Like I knew what kind of offense they ran. Like I knew all of that, but like, I wasn't actually playing. So, you know, I was kind of the, the low, low guy on the totem pole. And I, you know, I had to work for everything that, that I got. Um, probably the beginning of my senior year, if you would have asked anybody there who would have gone on to play in college, I would have not really crossed anybody's mind. Um, and, you know, I was, I think the only guy on my high school team that went and played basketball in college, we had a couple guys that went and played football and some other baseball and some other sports, but um, <clears throat> I was the only guy that went on and played for four years. Um, you know, my dad was a big, big part of that, um, was unbelievably supportive. Um, he was a special ed teacher at a, at a junior high and he would always sneak me in the back door um, and he, he would rebound for me. We had a little routine. We would go, you know, we were nothing crazy. We go like between 35 and 45 minutes, like six times a week. He would help me rebound. We'd go through things. He was a coach, you know, so he knew what he was talking about. And I like to pretend that he didn't, but <laughs> he knew what he was talking about. Um, so he played a huge role in that. You know, I went six, sometimes seven times a week, sometimes twice a day, um, you know, going from my senior year of high school until my freshman year of college. Um, and then for my freshman year of college, my, I just found so many different ways to be involved in basketball at, at a lower level of college basketball that I played at, you know, you don't get all the things that, that we get at the division one level here. Like it, it's a lot different. Um, so, you know, I had to be creative and always find gyms to get into and, um, go play at. And so I ended up working at a, a small AAU program in central Maine, central Maine hoops. Um, and, you know, I love basketball and I was passionate about coaching, but at that time I did it because I had the keys to the gym and I could get it whenever I wanted. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> I could work out whenever I wanted. So I would always bring some teammates and some friends and then my girlfriend at some point in college. And then, you know, I, um, was, was always in the gym, always working, like trying to work towards, you know, that goal. Um, I was never actually recruited um to play at University of Maine Augusta um I walked on essentially um, really? yeah I did um so I, I remember like I don't know a couple weeks into practice I had some of my high school film which was no good because I played center but <laughs> fine uh, I gave the the CDs to my 
uh, college coach and was like, look, like, like, I'm really serious about this. Like, I really, really want to play college basketball. And like two weeks later, uh, or like two weeks before this, uh, we played our first game, he gave him back to me. He was like, look, man, you're going to start for us as a freshman. So you can have these back. Like, you're going to be okay, I promise you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Going from not recruited to being able to be in that position was um, was pretty cool. And it, you know, gave a little bit of satisfaction that a lot of the work paid off. But Yeah, absolutely. So you go from basically non-recruited walk-on, essentially, to all-time leading scorer. That's quite the story. But like you talked about, there's a lot of work that goes into that you put in a lot of time too, but also too, I think one of the things you were also an academic All-American, I think all four years. So you weren't just focused on basketball. You're also focused on school. So the comment you made about actually being a doctor, you probably could have been a doctor if you wanted to, but uh, I don't know about that. Yeah. So, but you're still, you're coaching now. So real quickly, I want to, I want to go right into uh, your coaching career. What made you want to get into coaching? Yeah. So um my family played a big big role in that my dad and my grandfather actually played a huge huge role in that um they they taught me basketball they were at every single one of my games I played for my dad you know growing up until I was in junior high um you know all, all the young stuff I played for him um and even then he was you know still involved and still around and um, you know, that was something that they were both really passionate about and playing. Um, and so was I, um, <clears throat> when I was in college, like I said, I, I thought I was going to be a doctor my first year. I got to chemistry and then I said, no, thanks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and even the chemistry teacher, you know, who was, who was a close friend of mine, uh, the professor at the time was like, you know, you might, you might want to think about something else. Uh, <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll take the hint. I'll take the hint. Um, I'm, I'm not good enough. I get it. <laughs> but it, it was just something I wasn't passionate about. Um, everything I did was, you know, eat, sleep, and breathe basketball. Um, and I knew I wanted to help people from my time at Pine Camp. You kind of touched on it. Like, that's kind of how you're fulfilling it in coaching now. Um, you know, and I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I knew I loved basketball. And I couldn't picture doing anything else. Um, so I got my degree in special education, K to eight. Um, and I really, really started to pursue becoming a graduate assistant, um, when I was in college, um, cause I knew I was from a town that didn't have a stoplight. It was known for having more cows than people. Like there was nothing to do there. And I knew that I needed to, um, you know, try to build a network, meet people where I eventually met you like that that was actually my first summer but um you know I started just working camps and going out and sending email after email after email and um I, I had this organized spreadsheet that you know I had every division one school in the country on I had dates at the top of when I sent them and who I sent it to and I had this nice organized like hey my name's Keith Chesley this is where I'm from this is what I did you know I want to be a GA I'll do anything please God hire me as a GA <laughs> <laughs> most of them didn't respond um I actually sent multiple emails to just about every school in the country um sometimes three four or five of them um if they didn't respond I just kept copy paste copy paste copy paste send it to them um uh, just wouldn't let up um it worked out for me in the end but um you know I um, 
So I started doing that and a lot of them were no response or mm, gee, thanks Keith, appreciate it, but we're good. Um, and then a few of them were, yeah, I, love, I love to talk. Um, most of them were guys that were from Maine or had been to Maine or, um, you know, just nice guys that responded and were like, hey, look, yeah, let me give you some advice. And this is what I want to talk to you about. And, you know, some of those guys are, are the reason why I try to respond to those emails that I get now um, and try to make those phone calls because someone did it for me. And that's eventually how I ended up breaking into the business. Um, you know, I, I worked camps all over the country. I worked <clears throat> UVA's camp. So side story. Um, yeah, um, I definitely, definitely wanted to get into this one. So, <laughs> well, so I was a huge Duke fan going into the summer, like, like really big Duke fan. Like I had, I wore Duke clothes almost every day to school. Like it was, it was okay. uh, absurd. Um, you know, I went to work camp at Duke, um, you know, and I had a, I had a good experience. Like it, it was awesome. Um, you know, I, I'm like, I'm at Cameron indoor, like I'm playing pickup every night. Like this is, this is pretty dang cool. Um, you know, but that was kind of the, like the extent of that one. Like, you know, it was an awesome experience to go see those things and do those things. And, but then, you know, I got to Virginia and I met guys like you and I met guys like Dave Belfield, who I now work with um, here at West Point. And, you know, there are a lot of people there that I have met that have, you know, moved on in this industry and that I've grown close with and made relationships with and become friends with. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of changed my outlook on, on college basketball and what it is. And I, I was... I was never really a fan of a certain team after that. Um, like it was, you know, this is all about relationships and the people that you that you meet and the 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 people that you associate yourself with. And not that the people at Duke were were bad people, but it was like it's more than just like that's a cool place. Um, you know, it's about the people. Um, no matter no matter if they're a good person or a bad person, you need to align yourself with the right people. Um, so. That, that, sorry, that was kind of a sidetrack from what you even asked me, but. No, but it's a great point because, you know, one thing I want to ask you just on that, that question right there, kind of sparked my interest. Were you looking at, you know, Virginia obviously is a place that you went to, but when you're looking at camps outside of Duke, because Duke was something that's kind of like that experience, right? It was, it was, it was an awesome experience, but Virginia, were you looking at like the coaching staff, the values that they had, the culture, or were you just trying to get. Uh, to a place that, you know, was doing well and an opportunity to maybe meet some people. So it's going to, it's going to sound bad, but I wasn't even looking for a place that was doing well. I was looking for a place that would say, yeah, come work camp. <laughs> yeah, sure. Find an opportunity, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what it was. Um, that, and honestly, I didn't really send any emails saying, Hey, can I come work camp? You know, I sent emails about being a GA and they're like, you know, gee, like, you know, we don't, we don't have, um the ability to have GAs here but we do have summer camp like we're always looking for good people to come do that and I'm like gee that's that's a great idea like uh, yeah I'm gonna come do that like um you know and, and that kind of part worked out for me and when I got one of those emails then I started to be like geez like you know I, I need to really 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 take this seriously and I met with some people and like look how, how did you meet most of the people in this business and they're like you know back in the day I worked a five-star camp and you know I did all these things to work camps traveled and made almost no money but I met this person that person and this person and it's their friends that I still have to this day 
Um, and that's how it worked out for me too. Um, and then I started having two emails. Um, I had an email for, Hey, can I come work camp An email for, Hey, you want a GA? Uh, you know, and, and I looked for ones after I went to Virginia, I knew I wanted to come back and that's why I did two years. Um, but you know, I, then I looked for ones that I could make logistically work that were the best school that I could get to in terms of people, the highest level that I could get to um and then places that i could just actually straight up get to <laughs> so what, yeah, what were those places um so that first summer i worked camp at a couple local places near me um that was going into my junior year um and like the only uh so i worked two that were like a little bit actually sorry three that were a little bit further away um so i worked duke um, I did the two different sessions at Virginia, um, and then I did, um, if you remember Cooper Handelsman, um, so yeah, he went on and worked at Hoop Group, and um, he's a Division One assistant now, um, so I met him at the Virginia camp. I was going to work at Syracuse um, a couple weeks later, uh, and Cooper called me and had got a job at Lehigh. Um, and, and so I went and worked two weeks of camp at Lehigh later that summer too. Um, so it, it, right away it started to click and like, I mean, I met some people and I got to go do this and that, and, um, you know, and I, I actually drove to all those places. Yeah. Uh, what, what was your lodging at these places? Cause that's, that's the one I, I love. I remember <laughs> talking to you and you're like, yeah, I'm actually just out at the, I don't know if it's a state park. I got my, my tent up and I'm staying in my tent. <laughs> Yeah, I was, I was, it was brutal, honestly, terrible, terrible decision, but it, it, it worked out. Um, so there was like, I don't even know where, uh, it was like 15 minutes from campus. There was this little, little campground. Um, I didn't have a camper or anything. I was, I was going to be, I was 20 years old, like never been away from Maine. Like I live in Maine. I live in the woods. I can camp. I'll be yeah, happy. Yeah. Like, it'll be fine. Um, so I did it. I drove all the way down, worked, I think it was two different weeks there. Um, I stayed there the whole time and I had a little like Coleman grill um, that I had this like little propane tank that I had to fill up once a week that I could like, I think I cooked hot dogs and mac and cheese like <laughs> six times while I was there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a, I had a tent with a little awning over it that I kind of set up that first day and um, I made sure I had a basketball, outdoor basketball court. So after the day camp in Virginia was over that I could go work out. Um, Cause I mean, I didn't know. So it was well, the first and, Yeah. Before. And you're still in college, so you're still playing. So you're getting your workout in, but in all seriousness though, like going back to the story, I, I love that story. I think it's awesome. Um, and you should have actually just camped out right in front of John Paul Jones arena, right under some trees. That would have been ideal. Uh, okay. But you know, one thing I think of when I hear that story is just whatever it takes. I can kind of see the similarities in your life, like just that uh, whatever it takes to get things done, whatever it takes to get to that that next level, whatever you, whatever you need to do, you're going to do. And <clears throat> so I, I just kind of see that common thread. And that's what you did in those summers. And you developed some really good relationships as well. Yeah, no, that that's exactly what it was. I didn't have money. Uh, you know, I don't come from money. I, I didn't have money, uh, you know. I knew working summer camps was going to be a sacrifice that I needed to make. And I knew camping out would, would be one that I could survive doing and that I'd be okay. Even though my air mattress blew, sank every single night, I just blew up the next day and we're, we're back to it. Um, 
you know, I knew that's what it took to meet people and to grow and get better. And I think that's what it's all about. Um, you know, my, my last day, actually, the, there was a giant thunderstorm, by the way, um, <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning, I was dead asleep, ready for after 10 days of working camp, I was, you know, needed some sleep and, um, the giant thunderstorm ripped a hole in my awning and my tent. Uh, so I just balled it all up through the trunk of my car and I slept in the car the rest of the time. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> I didn't realize that. That's awesome though. That just, that adds an even better story. So, but it, like I said, in all seriousness though, it's just kind of whatever it takes to, to get to where you're wanting to be at. And so you have this opportunity where you're working camps, you have a good, really good college career and you start working your way into, uh, college athletics. Obviously, you know, I want to go back to. You had sounds like you had some great uh, role models growing up within your parents and having them, you know, be supportive. You push you to to get to the places that you want to. So you get into coaching, and how did you wind up at Florida State? Yeah, so it was pretty similar. Um, so going into the next summer, so I worked all those camps. I think I worked seven total going into my junior year. I, I said, man, I I know this now. I know what I'm doing. So and so I started early trying to get into camps and. Um, I actually drove from Maine to Texas and worked Texas's camp. Um, I left my sister's graduation a little bit early to get there. So uh, hopefully she doesn't listen to this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I was there. Um, I drove, I was there for about a week and a half in Austin, stayed at another campground. Um, went from Austin. A little, little hotter too, I'm sure. Oh, it's brutal. The traffic there is awful too, but yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I went from there and I drove uh, along I 10. And if anyone has ever made that drive, it is the most mind numbingly boring drive you've ever made in your life. Uh, I drove there to Tallahassee. Um, Tallahassee was Florida State was the best thing that's ever happened in my career. Um, I got an email from a guy named Bobby Suarez. Um, who is now an assistant coach at Portland. Um, but at the time, he was the assistant video coordinator at Florida State. Um, so I had sent an email to everyone on staff there, including the assistant video coordinator. Um, hey, look, I want to be a GA. I'll do whatever it takes. Like, here's my resume. This is what I, this is what I want. I know this is what I want. I know I'll be good at it. Like, here, here it is. Um, and he said, you know what? We do something a little unique. We ask you to come work camp, and then we will use that as an interview process to become a GA. I said, "All right, I can work camp. Like, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be there. Like, I'll be in Texas. I'll just, I'll just drive over and I'll, I'll work camp for however long you need." Um, so I was there. I worked team camp for a couple of days, and I worked individual camp, and you know, met some great people and. Uh, it was unbelievable experience. Um, you know, met all the coaches, met Coach Hamilton. Um, now that I look back on it, like I'm absolutely insane. I uh, Coach Hamilton, it was late one night of an individual camp, and I went and introduced myself to him, just some random kid from Maine. Like, hey, Coach Ham, like, you know, my name's Keith. Like, I want to be your GA. Like, how's it going? Um, it's crazy now, but uh, it's something that I had to do. Um, I knew I had a chance at it. Um, you know, I thought it went really, really well at the time. Their their ops guy, uh, Jacob Brindenhauer, was, you know, the guy who kind of oversaw some of that stuff. Um, <clears throat> you know, in, I had some conversations with him. I knew I had a chance, um, but nothing. I worked a couple other camps that summer. I worked Florida State, and 
I drove, started driving north to get back to Maine. I worked Virginia. I worked another one and I got home and um, worked a couple, worked a couple near home. Um, but it, um, you know, I felt really good about it, but nothing ever came of it. That, that was in June and July passed and it was, now it's mid-July. I'm still reaching out to those guys, sending them anything that I can think of that might be useful. Um, still, you know, I, I don't know. I hadn't heard anything. I didn't know. Like, I was like, man, I, I thought I had it. I thought that was my break. Um, you know, I had an interview at two other schools, didn't get it. You know, I was like, man, uh, you know, I, I may, I may not get, get my opportunity, but I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to, you know, it, you know, it is what it is. Um, I actually got accepted um, at a place um, with um, in New Hampshire, in Henniker, New Hampshire, um, small division three school um, for a guy named Charlie Mason. Um, great, great guy. Um, division three school. He was going to hire me as his GA. I went down there. I interviewed. I actually looked at an apartment. I was headed there and, and it was, this was like early August. Um, I was headed there. I was going to be a GA. Um, I got a call from Florida State. Don't really know the story of this day. I think someone else might have dropped out and it was my time up. And, you know, they called me and said, look, I know it's, I know it's soon, but in 10 days, you know, we're going to start. Would you be interested in still being a GA? Um, you know, I had already accepted the job at, at uh, University of New England. Uh, so I was like, man, like, yeah, of course, I want to go work in the ACC be part of the you know best basketball conference there is and but like I gotta talk to this other this other coach Charlie Mason who made, who was the only guy in the country that took a chance on me and like was like yeah you know what I'm gonna hire you like that that really tore me apart for a while like people are gonna say I'm crazy like I, I actually thought about not going to Florida State because this is the guy who made a chance on me who took a chance on me um you know I, I had to have a conversation with him and you know he he was great. You know, he was like, look, you're going to put us in a really bad spot, but I would be a bad person if I told you not to go take it. Um, so I went and took it. Um, I left, I left coach Mason who actually texted me today. Um, we still talk to this day, but um, he's an unbelievable guy. And, you know, I went down and, and started working at Florida state like nine days later, packed up my car and drove to Florida. Yeah, well, that's an awesome story in itself. But, you know, one thing when I think about that situation tore you up a little bit because you honestly didn't know if you should go or shouldn't go. Talks a lot about your character, but also, too, having the difficult conversation and handling it the right way. Obviously, you just said you guys are still close and talk to this day. You just texted you. That speaks volumes on a situation like that. Uh, sometimes they don't tend to go that that well, but when you handle it the right way, um, obviously you have, and it's cool that you still have that relationship. So, you get down to Florida State, you get an opportunity to be a GA, which is an extremely great position to be in. Uh, coming out of college as a GA, you're in the ACC. So now, which I didn't even think about this, but now, you know, being a Duke fan, now you're actually getting to go pl play against Duke on another team staff uh, at Florida State under Coach Hamilton. And I'm um, sure that was an incredible experience. But, you know, what were the things you learned under him and the staff and your time at Florida State as you look back? Yeah, my my experience at Florida State was was unbelievable. I would never take it back. Um, and I highly suggest people to to take a leap 
leap of faith um, and something that's very unfamiliar to them because it is it has made me grow so much more than any place any other place would. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the people there, but also has to do with just uprooting my entire life and like going down there nine days later. Like my my first few days there, I was I was miserable. Like I I did not like it. Like I'd never been away from home really. Um, I had a pretty serious girlfriend. Uh, like like it was it was brutal. Like I did not like it at all. I, I'll be the first one to say that I you know I got down there the first week. I was like I made a big mistake. Like. I can't be this far away from my family. I can't be this far away from home. Like I can't do it. Like, yeah, I'm going home. Like, but you know, I stuck with it. And luckily, you know, I had some great people in my life who, you know, uh, I, we had kind of talked through everything and they said, you know, I've worked this hard my, for the last four years to get this opportunity. Like it is something that I need to see through. It's something that I need to invest, you know, some time and even some money in myself to do this and see it out. Cause I know that, that I'm passionate about this. I don't know if I'm any good at it yet, but you know, I know that I'm passionate about it. Um, you know, so I saw it through and you know, I'm obviously extremely grateful that I did. Um, you know, it was um, the, the people there. Um, so Florida state has uh, a little bit unique, you know, situation. They, they bring in a few more GAs in some other places would, um, you know, and at the time I was, I thought of it as a bad thing possibly for my own career. Um, but now I first off think it's an unbelievable thing that Florida State does is give people opportunities to grow in their career. And coach Hamilton, I, in my opinion, is the best there ever is at, growing his tree and helping his people out and um, helping them become the best version of themselves they possibly can. Um, he's an unbelievable manager of people. Um, and, you know, I think that says a lot about him and his character. Um, but I was able to meet a lot of people as a GA and a manager at that same time. Um, my first year, Chris Kent, you know, a guy that was, you know, our, our head GA, you know, he, you know, kind of ran the show for us GAs for the little group of us. And, you know, now he's the head VO coordinator for the Chicago Bulls. Um, another, a great relationship that I have with, with a really good guy. Um, a guy named Ian Borders was a GA, a second year GA at the time, is now the VO coordinator at Auburn. Um, you know, another great relationship that I've had. Um, some few guys that came in with me um, have gone a little bit different ways, but Tyler Martin, guy who runs a really successful AU and um, workout facility in Jacksonville, um, a guy named Michael Brooks, who is now the, he works in the front office for the Orlando Magic, um, a guy named Rob Hoffman, who is in Division Three basketball in Indiana, um, Rob Buecher is another guy who's a video coordinator at Florida State, like those guys have meant so much to me in my life that, you know, I've learned so much from them. Um, and it's just incredible how we all just branch out and do different things. Um, you know, and then we have my second year, we brought in some more guys. Um, and like, I got to meet them. Luis Gonzalez, he's uh, in the front office for the Cleveland Cavs. Um, Jason Landis is a high school coach in uh, New Jersey. Um, Adam Baylog works again at Florida State. He's a full-time staff member there. So, it's it just, you know, the tree just grew and grew and grew and grew. And it 
was just something that I didn't expect that would happen. Um, you know, and that has helped me a lot in my relationships that I've built there. Um, and then the coaches there were unbelievable. Um, you know, Coach Hamilton, I already touched on a little bit. You know, he he helped me grow a ton um, and it was a great influence on me and where I've gone and what I've done. And he's helped me get just about every job that I've got. Um, and he, he's incredible. Um, you know, Stan Jones, um, one of the best basketball minds I've ever seen. Um, and he taught me so much about on the court stuff. That is something that I wouldn't have learned anywhere else. Um, you know, Dennis Gates is a really close mentor of mine. He's now the head coach at Cleveland State. Um, you know, I hope he considers me a friend. Um, you know, he is definitely my mentor for sure. You know, I, I look up to him um, and he, he gives me a lot of great advice to this day. Um, and the same thing with um, CY, you know, who is still an assistant there. Um, they just, I knew nothing about the business, nothing at all. Um, and they taught me all three of them, all four of them, Coach Ham, all three assistants, um, everybody associated with the program just taught me everything that I know about, you know, high level basketball. Um, so it was an unbelievable you know, opportunity. You know, I know I talked a lot. I don't even know if I answered your question, but no, I, just, you I just got on a roll and kept going with it. So No, it's awesome. It's an incredible experience that you got, but also, too, you had a willingness to learn. That's probably why they spent a lot of time with you. You got a willingness to learn. You worked hard. And that's one of the things I always like to point out is that, you know, the coaches that will enable you to have opportunities at these other places uh, that speak highly of you, they do it because you did a good job for them. Right. And it's not like you just came and you took, you actually did good work. You tried to make the organization that you're a part of better. You tried to make the people around it. And also too, one of the things I think about too, is the relationship component. I mean, I think that's another theme in your story is that you have, these relationships that you build everywhere you've been um, that obviously are a key, key aspect of your life. Um, and so that's a really cool thing as well. And it's funny, especially in athletics, I think and actually it's not just athletic, it's life, but uh, with basketball, you know, these relationships, they all intertwine and connect somehow. Right. And so you might be going to some job and, and there's a guy that you met at camp, you know, like just, just think about our relationship, just meeting at camp and having the ability to connect. Um, it, it's all so intertwined and it's really cool that, uh, it is a priority to you. And that's, that's a big aspect of, um, coaching and life in, in general. So anyway, <clears throat> you were at Florida state and then you wound up, you go to Stetson. Is that right? I did. Yep. Florida state for two years. Unbelievable. Players were great. You know, we had, I think it was like eight guys playing in the current NBA. Um, you know, Trent Forrest is a guy who played really well in the summer league the other night. Um, you know, a great friend of mine. You know, I didn't touch on the players, and I should have when I talked about Florida State. Those guys made it really, really special, obviously. Um, you know, we made two NCAA tournaments. Uh, my second year, we made Elite Eight. Um, was an unbelievable experience. I traveled all over the country. Small kid from a small town in Maine, like, those guys definitely made it special and they were all a bunch of really, really good dudes. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I talk about them, but it was well, um, there any, any favorite Florida state experience that you can think of just off the top of your head while we're on Florida state. Yeah. Um, honestly, you know, I got to spend a lot of time with those guys. Uh, obviously elite eight was just mind blowing. You know, I, I had, there's coaches that have coached their whole lives and never made the NCAA tournament. I was GA for two years. I made two NCAA tournaments. <laughs> um, yeah. I, my second year, we were in Nashville. Awesome. Two games. 
Uh, we were the nine seed, um, and we beat Missouri pretty good in the first round. Then uh, second round, Xavier was the one seed who beat us up the year before when we were supposed to beat them. Um, player named PJ Savoy hit a big time three with you know under 20 seconds left to put us up. We upset Xavier, who was the one seed in that side of the bracket. Um, you know, went on, beat, went to LA. Um, never been in the West Coast, and I'm staying in a really nice hotel. This big time event, you know, Sweet 16. You know, we we beat uh, Gonzaga, uh, really good team, and then we're playing in Elite Eight. And I'm like, oh my god, like. Like I can, I can go to Final Four right now. Like this is insane. Yeah. Um, you know, lost to Michigan by four. Um, you know, put up a great effort. It was awesome. But my my favorite experience was meeting guys. Uh, you know, meeting those guys and coming close to those guys. I touched on Trent Forrest a little bit. Um, was a guy I was really really close with. Um, and another guy named uh, Michael Ojo, who I, I was really really close with. Um, you know, some some really really good guys that. Um, I just got to build relationships with, and I was just with all the time. Um, that's that's probably the the part that I that sticks out to me the most. Um, but the going to the lead eight was pretty cool. Yeah, it's an awesome experience. So you go to Stetson. Um, how did you wind up getting at Stetson? Yeah, so the head coach there uh, is Corey Williams. Um, great, great guy. Um, he had been at Stetson a little while. They needed an ops guy. Um, you know, I knew that. You know, ops was probably the role I was going to look at. Ops or video, something full time where I could, you know, go go on and um, you know join as a full time member of staff. You know, even though we worked full time hours at Florida State, I wasn't wasn't getting paid like that. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I went and did that, um, and it was awesome. Um, you know, I the people that I met there were unbelievable. There there is a very common theme now. I say it all out loud. It's all about the people, but. Um, Coach Williams was awesome to work for. Um, you know, we then, our assistants that we had at the time were uh, Dickie Nutt, who was a um, head coach, uh, head division one basketball coach for 19 years, uh, who was also on that staff. Um, a guy named Gravel Craig, who's a head, bas- head division one basketball coach at Bethune Cookman, and Burt Capel, um, who was a, a dear friend of mine who, um, was there at Stetson for five years. Um, great basketball mind and a more, even more unbelievable guy um, that, that I got to work with and work for. And I learned so much there. Um, you know, it was, it was a great experience um, for me there. I, I had to, again, sacrifice a little something. Um, you know, it's at Stetson, we're in the A-Sun. You know, it's not, not a ton of money. Um, you know, I made like 10 grand while I was there my first year. Um, you know, I, I actually had to pay a little bit of money more than a little bit of money to be a GA at Florida State my first year. <laughs> then I got everything paid for my second year. And then my first year, I made 10 grand. So I was like, man, this is, uh, this is tough living right now. But yeah. you know, we made it work. So that, that part of it was, was great. Yeah. So you get to have some other great relationships at Stetson. You're learning a lot through basketball. Maybe it's a different uh, – you're in a different conference, a little bit smaller, more of a uh, – smaller mid mid major type level in the ASM. Really good basketball though. You still got I don't know if Belmont was still in it. There's uh Lipscomb. There's a lot of different good North Florida was a good school, obviously. So you're you're around a lot of good basketball and a lot of good coaches still too. So um and actually Coach Williams is an Oklahoma State guy, obviously, uh so there's the connection there. But anyway, uh, 
So you wound up having that experience. You wind up at James Madison. Um, you know, talk real quickly about how that transpired and how you got up there and your time at James Madison. Yeah, yeah. So um, I actually went from Stetson to Georgia Southern after that. Oh, that's okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, skip, not, I'm skipping over right there. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a lot of steps, a lot, a lot of steps. I moved five times in six years. So um, a lot of moving. But, you know, I went from Stetson to uh, Georgia Southern. Um, we had a great year, great team. Um, we won over 20 games. Um, I was a um, ops guy there. Um, got an unbelievable opportunity from uh, head coach Mark Byington. Um, you know, I got to know some guys on staff there. Um, the associate head coach Andrew Wilson uh, was a Florida State guy. He played at Florida State a long time back, and I got to meet him through my Florida State connections coming up. Um, so I knew of him and. You know, I, he knew I was kind of looking for a job and he, um, you know, he gave me a call and said their ops job was open. So I went and worked there for like nine months. Um, then the head coach, um, Mark Byington at George Southern, got the James Madison job. Um, and I was lucky enough that, that he took me with him. Um, so I went to James Madison. You know, they were they finished last the year that, that we got there, uh, the year before we got there. And then, you know, we won the league this past year um, that I was there. It was an unbelievable opportunity. I'd never seen uh, or been a part of a, a program that's building from the ground up. And, you know, you're taking over a program and you are instilling your own culture and instilling your own uh, style of play, and your own players, um, you know. And it was awesome to be a really big part of that, um, that, you know, I got to help do those things and see it firsthand. And um, I don't know how much I actually had to do with it, but yeah, I learned a lot, um, you know, along the way. Um, I like to think I helped a little, but maybe not that much. <laughs> yeah. So you get, you get this experience where you, you're at Georgia Southern and then you get to go to James Madison. You said you kind of get to see something start from the ground up. What does it look like when you go to a new program that maybe hadn't had the success that uh, it could have, and you guys are going in trying to instill building a culture and and setting goals and um, ideas of, of what you want to accomplish in your time there? What what does that look like from the ground up? Yeah, it's it's a lot of work. There was a lot of uh, a lot of sleepless nights for sure. Um, you know, you know, I was trying to get some players in there, um, trying to um build our culture to where we wanted um covid made that pretty hard um we got the job in the height of covid um so we got to campus and you know typically when i've gotten to other campuses my first thing is to go just meet everybody on campus um and talk to them and shake their hand and you know just just build that relationship and you couldn't do that so like it it added a, just a kind of a different layer to it um, you know, we tried to get on Zoom. We tried to make a ton of phone calls. Um, we tried to build relationships with everybody on campus because everybody on campus <clears throat> needs to be moving to your own goal, to your same goal. You need to be moving in the same direction. Um, I think, um, you know, everybody needs to understand where you're coming from as a basketball program and why you're trying to get there and how you're trying to get there. And, we all bought into the same thing. Um, and obviously you need to have, you know, whether it's in academics or facilities or, you know, whoever it may be, um, you need to have their kind of take it from them too. What, what is their mindset? What are their, um, what, what do they think? What do they think about the place and learn about the school 
um, learn about the people there, learn about the current players, learn about the players of the past, learn about um, the facilities and the ins and outs of the whole place. Um, you know, and that can help shape your culture into what you have in mind. Um, and you can, you know, drop some some uh, some hints of how you want your culture to move along the way as you're meeting all of those people. Um, and again, building those relationships so you can um, have moved towards the same goal. Um, you can't have difficult conversations. You can't have any real meaningful conversations with someone you don't have a relationship with. You know, if I just call up a random guy and, you know, told him how terrible he was doing this one thing or how we need to change this and do that, it would never work. Like it would, it has to be some sort of relationship between the two of you, some mutual respect of some kind where you can start moving those things. And I think that's where it starts. Relationships, building your culture, um, moving everybody in the same direction and, and then getting the right players and the right staff and the right um, everybody in there that's going to see your vision and work with you at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's a great point. It, you know, I, I want to kind of transition. You just got to Army at West Point. And so you just said you just got to experience your first recruiting period. So we talk about, you know, building culture and whatnot and, and finding uh, the right players. You know, what was that like just going through that first experience for you? It's not going to be your last, but just what was that first experience like? Yeah, no question. You know, I thought as an ops guy, I was like, man, these assistants, it's not that hard. You can recruit. Like, yeah. can't, can't be that hard. Well, it turns out it's really hard. Um, <laughs> they, they weren't lying the whole time. So um, it, it's been awesome for me here, though. I've been super lucky. Coach Allen gave me an unbelievable opportunity here um, to, to come to this place. It's unbelievably prestigious. The number of the people that you just meet here is, is unreal, first off. Um, you know, and then the recruiting side, um, you know, I think, I think you need to stay, you know, on the same topic that I've talked about. I know it's, you know, you know, I, I kind of feel like I said the same thing over and over again, but it's all about the relationship. Um, you know, I think that you can build a relationship with anybody. You can build a relationship with a recruit too. And that, that's what it's all about, the recruit and their family and being genuine with that. It can't be something forced and faked. And it, I think, you know, I haven't I haven't got a player yet. Um, you know, I think I'm, a co I'm close on a couple. We'll, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I think that it has everything to do with, um, you know, that genuine relationship that you have. Um, and all the people that I worked for throughout the time have told me that. But, you know, it's it's different when someone's telling you it and then when you get to actually experience it. Um, and, and I think the genuine part is, is huge. Um, I think people can see through um, being a little bit fake at times. Um, I think if you're trying to force a relationship or force being friends with somebody or you know, it, it has to be a real relationship, real and meaningful. Um, and I think that starts with being honest. It starts with uh, giving great feedback and, you know, it starts with just just open dialogue and being able to talk to each other you need to be able to listen and if if a player is telling you one thing don't just go off on a tangent or something else address the thing that they said uh, like it's so easy to want to just stay to your script um and like i know you know i have a script of things i want to tell guys about west point is such a unique place and it it is a special place um but like when a player said when a recruit says something you 
you got to go with that. Like you can't, you can't stick to your script. You got to be able to change and adjust on the fly and, and be able to adjust their questions or concerns or, you know, things they're excited about even um, and be able to do all of those things. Yeah, no, and that's, those are such great points too, because, you know, one of the things you talk about listening, listening is a huge skill just to be able to listen to what they're saying and then be able to go right off that, you know, you don't have to have this scripted dialogue where you talk about one thing and all of a sudden you bring it right back to something else, but just listening also being authentic, you know, you talk about not trying to be somebody else, um, being genuine, being true to yourself, not trying to be somebody else's. Those are all great points on developing meaningful relationships. And, uh, you know, I think that's not just a great aspect uh, on relationships and basketball, but in life, really, because it's just having taking a genuine interest in somebody. I mean, it sounds so simple, but it actually is is sometimes kind of complex that for for some. And so it's it's something that if you just take a genuine interest in people, listen, learn, enjoy it and, ha- and have fun throughout the process, it's a it's a big difference. Yeah, there's no question. L- listening is hard, man. It's really hard. It sounds so easy. Things all you just said sound so easy, um, but but they're not. Um, you know, to keep it on that line, um, you know, listening is is something that I know I struggled with um, a lot, and I, I'm still working on all the time because you, it's just human nature to want to get your agenda across. But in my experience so far, um, the conversations that kind of go off in the left field that didn't go the way you thought they might have been the best ones they're the best yeah <laughs> they really have so uh, that's uh you know kind of what i've experienced so far i have a lot to learn and the staff here who coach allen and coach ben wilkins and coach dave belfield the guys that have been here um I, I just trying to soak up everything that that they tell me and that they have to offer and um i just try and learn step by step day by day and get a little bit better as we go yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it kind of goes back to there's a, a quote and it's um, the quote is people don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And that is such a, a great thing to remember in relationships in life. But uh, quickly transitioning into like when you're evaluating guys, what are the things you're looking for? Obviously, great talent. But talk about like what are the intangibles that make people uh, that are really good, that extra? What are those intangibles? Yeah. Um... You know, so we, we talk about this a lot here. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to find a guy that you know is good enough to play at your level. Like, you can go out and, and watch a guy and be like, yeah, that, that, that guy's good enough. Like, definitely he's good enough. He'll be a good player here. Like, skill-wise, that is what – that's easy, like, in, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people kind of think the same thing. Those guys stick out when you go and watch games. Um, the – other part of it when you go and watch games when you're evaluating is um, what's the guy doing when he's not playing? What, how is he with his teammates? Um, is he vocal? Um, does he seem to have friends and get along with his teammates or with his coach? Like if his coach gets on him a little bit, how does he react? How, like, you know, what is that like? Um, you know, a lot of this is, is over the phone as well. Like, calling their high school coach, calling their AAU coach, calling the kid, the mom, dad, the aunt, the uncle, the workout guy, whoever it is, trying to get a good feel of, of everybody around that kid um, and see if that is what fits your program. Um, and your that all comes from your head coach. Like what does your head coach value? And what does he want? What is the culture? And you're 
helping him move towards that culture and trying to find those kids that that fit that same thing um that you know buy into what you're doing and you know you buy into what they're doing and you know you, there's a give and take to you know kind of everything that that's going on um but that, that's what i try to do again i haven't signed any players so I, i'm not i I, haven't, <laughs> I don't i'm not a genius but not yet not yet in in my three months doing this thing that's kind of what i've learned so far and i'm learning every day and trying to just soak it all in so yeah see so, i mean but you've been involved in basketball for your entire life and you've been on coaching staff for a long time how tough is it to get players to buy in yeah no that's a good point um you know i'm gonna go back to my florida state time um that elite eight experience a little bit um the year before we were, we finished second in the ACC. Uh, my first year there, uh, we were a three seed in the tournament. I think uh, we were flying high. We thought Elite Eight easy, Final Four, national championship within reach for sure. Um, <clears throat> you know, when the, the buy-in wasn't completely there. Um, the guys thought they were at the time and we thought they were at the time, um, <clears throat> you know, doing everything they could to buy into the team and the culture and um, everything that we did. And it wasn't, it wasn't quite to the level it needed to be. And I didn't know what level it needed to be at the time until I saw it the next year. <clears throat> we were a nine seed in the NCAA tournament and we were 30 seconds away from a final four. Um, you know, that buy-in was was unbelievable and on that team like you know the guys just wanted to they wanted to kind of have a say like we we're going over scouts and, and things they they we didn't have to do that much they they were so bought in the, the coaching staff did such a good job throughout the year instilling that culture what we expect and what we need um and the guys just took it and ran with it and they 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 took it and ran with it themselves. The coaches didn't have to push, 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 push. The, the players did the pushing and they pushed themselves They pushed each other. And that's kind of what, what made it the best. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with how you stay with it um, all year long and try, you can't stray too far from um, your goal and how you're going to get there. If you, you know, know that this is how it's going to work and that it does work this way, you need to be able to take in new ideas and adjust and, do those things, but you can't stray too far from what your common goal is. And <clears throat> there's a ton of different ways to reach that goal. Um, and you just need to make sure you're, you're keeping that in mind the whole time. What What is the most important thing to be working on and work on that thing? Like it's not, um, you know, working on, a lot of times we spend too much time working on things that we think are important, but in the grand scheme of things with a team, it's, something that's not a very uh, it doesn't affect the team all that often if you work on the things that may be a little more simple that affects the team way more often and you're really really good at those things whether it's culture or your ball screen or you know your relationships or whatever it is like if you work on those simple things over and over and over and become really elite at those i've found so far anyway that that's how you'd be a little more successful and kind of uh, reach those goals and um, do those things. Yeah. And, and one thing you just talked about that I think is a really good point is that if you want to be really elite at something, it's doing it over and over and over again. And sometimes that gets down to where it feels mundane It's over and over and over again. But if you look at some of the 
the best programs, uh, the best organizations, they're always great at doing those little things over and over and over again. People talk about the fundamentals. It's kind of the same mentality towards that too. It's uh, kind of that consistent effort every single day to get a little bit better, to work towards a common goal um, that makes the difference. And one thing I want to talk to you about, because you know, you're at West Point, which you know, many would say is the ultimate place to talk about leadership. You know, what, you know, what, what does leadership mean to you? And when you think of leaders, what are some good leaders and the qualities that they instill uh, in others around them? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, <clears throat> here at West Point, I do think it is the, the best leadership institution there is. And I, I truly think that, um, and they have a track record, obviously, of, of, for many, 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 many years of, of doing that. Um, you know, to be a good leader, I think, you know, you need to have a couple of things. I need, I think you need to be um, extremely self-aware of, of things around you, of yourself, um, of other people. Um, I think you need to be okay with asking a lot of questions um, and taking in things from a lot of different people and a lot of different areas. Um, you know, and, and I think you need to be okay with failure, um, which is a really tough thing for a lot of people. Um, it's hard for me. I think it's human nature that you don't want to fail. You don't want to be the reason something messes up. Um, but when it all comes down to it, if you're, you're sitting in a room, you're trying to lead things, you come up with an idea and you have put in your time and your effort and you think it's the right idea, you think it's the right way to go and you have presented it and got people to buy in and have clearly communicated things, um, which are things I think all great leaders do. Um, you know, when it doesn't work out, you need to be able to go back and think about that. All right, like why didn't that work? Like you're not gonna you're not gonna come up with a genius idea and a genius path every single time. Like it's gonna go wrong. You're gonna fail. Things aren't gonna go the right way. And you need to be able to to build off those mistakes and and get better as, as you go along and try to learn from other people's mistakes as well. Try not to make them all yourself at the same time, but um, you know, you learn a little bit more from the ones you make personally. Um, you know, if, if that makes, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. Well, what are ways that, you know, you talk about failure and, and obviously people don't want to fail, but you know, what are some things that you've done in your life when you fail? You talked about looking back and analyzing and having perspective on that situation to be able to evaluate it and to not do it again. Right. It's like, don't make the same mistake twice. Right. It's yeah. going to learn from it. Don't make the same mistake. Are there any ways that uh, on top of what you just said that people can implement in their lives on a daily basis when they go about failing or taking risk or how do you take calculated risk is another good question for you. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's a great question. You know, uh, calculated risk, you know, I, I've done a lot of that in my life. Um, you know, just taking leaps of faith um, and I think believing in yourself um, and believing in the people around you are huge. Um, you know, you do have to have a little bit of swagger yourself. You, you can't be um, cocky and think you know it all, but you, you do have to have a little bit of confidence of like, you know what, I, you know, I, I am good enough to do this. Like, I can do this. Like, I know myself, I've had times, like I talked at Florida State, like where, where I thought I possibly – know might not be able to um you know but the people in my corner and my upbringing the things that i've learned throughout my time is 
you know, to be tough and to go through it and to have a little confidence in yourself. And, you know, things are going to go wrong in life. And to be able to make the best out of that situation and be positive and look at it with a positive outlook instead of a negative, I think that, um, you know, plays huge dividends into making those calculated risks. You can make whatever work um, if you want it to work, right? Like, if you have doubt in the back of your mind and don't think it's going to work, it's not the right thing to do. You know, it, it, it's probably not the right thing to do. Like, you know, it, if you are nervous about it, there's a difference between being nervous about it and knowing it's not the right thing to do. And you need to be able to kind of distinguish that and know what is. And once you make a decision to go with it, you can't be second guessing yourself. You need to just jump right in with both feet and go at it and attack it head on. Um, from, from my experiences, that's, what I've learned is that that you need to jump in with both feet. You can't just put your toe in the water. You you, you got to do a cannonball. You got to get in that thing and, and let it rip. Um, and that's that's the only way to do it. If you fail, you fail. You you gave it everything you got. Yeah, I love that. It's like burn burn your ships. And the thing I think about too when you talked about that is is uh, it's not an arrogance or a cockiness. It's more of like a a confident humility about you. You know. And then uh, you know another thing is when I think of the words you just said. You, you know, it's okay to, to, to be nervous, but it's, it's important to have like courage to step into it, even though you, you are a little bit uncertain, you just got to step in and I love it. It makes me want to go do something right now. <laughs> uh, um, anyway, but, uh, one thing I want to get to as well is, you know, you talk about, uh, all these things is discipline, something that you've been really good at in your life, or is it something that's evolved over time and you've gotten better at? Um, yeah, so I think it is something that I've been pretty good at um, growing up, and a lot of that's from my parents and my upbringing. And um, you know, I never really got into much trouble or did anything like that. I was always nervous to not do the right thing, and um, you know, so I think discipline's been been a big part of my life, and sports has taught that. Um, you know, when I was at Florida State, though, um, Dennis Gates. Um, would talk a lot about plant your roots. Um, and, you know, I didn't, I didn't really get it at the time. I was like, what was he talking about? Like plant your roots, like, but it's, it's plant your roots and discipline. So that's what you live by and that's what you do. And if that's what you say you live by, you better damn actually live by it. Like, like you have to be disciplined enough to do the same things over and over and over again. We talked about being successful as a team, like, working on the, the simpler things you do all the time over and over and over again, being elite at those things. Um, the same thing kind of works with discipline in your everyday life, being the uh, best version of yourself. They talk about that a lot here at West Point, um, you know, being the best version of yourself possible. And I think I learned that early on with, with coach Gates um, is planning your roots and discipline. Um, and I thought I was pretty good at it growing up and, as time's gone along, I've been more conscious about it and trying to do those things every day, day in and day out. And, um, you know, consciously make those disciplines be, uh, to make those choices to be disciplined um, and to work towards your goal. That it's something you do little by little every single day, get a little bit better in your life every single day and try to um, work towards that. Absolutely. As we wind it down, we got a little fire round for you. So I'll, uh, say a few words and you can just finish it with a word or a sentence. So uh, you can do anything if. Yeah, you, you, you jump into it and believe in yourself and learn a lot along the way um, and just be passionate about it with a lot of energy. 
Yeah. Uh, I was, I put leadership is, but we just talked about leadership. So you already got that down. Uh, what about focus? Focus is what? Man, that's a good one. Uh, focus. I mean, I think it goes back to, to being passionate, but yeah, that kind of got me on that one. Focus is, um, you know, being extremely passionate about one thing that you're going to work towards that goal and use that discipline. Um, I think, you know, you're going to have things that are pulling you in different directions. It's human nature to, to have that. Um, but to slowly but surely work on things day by day and use that discipline and, and be locked into what you're doing, I, I think, you know, that that plays a huge, huge part. And I think especially in today's society, people have the tendency to get you know, pulled in a lot of different directions. We have social media and a lot of things like that. And I think um, being able to be locked in on those disciplines is something that helps you stay focused. And that's essentially what it is. Yeah. Favorite place to visit in Maine? In Maine. All right. Uh, probably that summer camp I talked about. It's in Rome, Maine. It's right on a lake. It's awesome. I'm going to be there in a couple of days. Can't wait. Uh, that's, that's where it's at. Awesome. <laughs> uh, grit. <laughs> Man, grit. Over and over and over again, you're going to get knocked down. Your people are going to tell you you're not good enough. Um, I heard that over and over and over and over and over and over again. Um, have that confidence, that that little uh, voice in the back of your head that, hey, I can do this. Like, I know I can. Like, I believe in myself and I, I don't I don't care. I'm going to learn along the way, but I'm going to I'm going to figure out a way to get this thing done. Favorite basketball road trip. Man, road trip. I'm going to go back to when I played. Uh, we played at this small school in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. We played there every um, New Year's Eve tournament, and it was awesome. The The men's team and the women's team both went there, which was, which was cool. Uh, we got to see each other play. Um, everyone's families were, like, off on a holiday, and, like, they all got to come to the game, and, like, we had dinners together. And, you know, it, you know that, that I'm going to go back to that one. That was awesome. Yeah. Uh, it all comes down to – it all comes down to, um, you know, what, what you want, what your purpose is, what, what do you think, whether it's in sports, whether it's in um, the professional world business, whether it's what you're doing, what my parents are doing, what my friends are doing, you know, it all comes down to, you know, what you believe in and what you're passionate about and, you know, attack that thing head on. Like that, that's what it all comes down to. Awesome. We're, we're done with the fire round, but you know, as we wind down here, you know, one of the things we talk about is, is there a certain piece of best advice that you've ever received? And what is it? <laughs> There's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, you know, so it's going to sound a little simple. Um, along the way, people have, have told me to figure it out and, at the time, I'm like, that is terrible advice. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, I'm asking you a question. What do you mean, figure it out? Like, that is no help at all. But now that I've gotten a little bit older and gone through it, I've actually told that to some people and they look at me like I'm crazy. And I hope that they have the same feeling as me. <laughs> like, sometimes you do just have to figure it out. Like, sometimes you don't know what you're doing. Like, but if you, and there's a big difference between figuring it out and not doing any research and any work to 
actually try to figure it out into actually putting in time and effort and a, a conscious thought and decision. There's a big difference between those two. So you got to make sure that you, you do it in, in that way with a lot of conscious thought and effort. Yeah. But figure it out no matter what you're doing. Like, yeah, that, that's one of my favorites right there. So real quickly to come to an end, you know, this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you? And I touched on it a little bit. And it's something that I've recently thought a lot about. Um, West Point has brought that out in me. Um, being the best version of yourself possible, um, whether it's in your job, um, in your personal life, um, whatever it may be, To I think we should all try to, to build towards that. To build towards excellent is to building towards being the best version of yourself, no matter what it is, no matter what job you have or where you're at or who you're with, um, that, that in my opinion should be everybody's goal. Yeah. Well, Keith, uh, you know, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate you being here and, and thank you for, you know, being a guy who coaches for the right reasons, uh, who, who makes a difference on any place that he's at, you know, he's, uh, kind of like what your coach talked about being planted, um, and making a difference. So thanks for doing that. Thanks for being on. If someone wanted to follow, you know, you on social media or kind of follow you guys at West Point and Army this basketball season, what's the best way to do that? Man, um, I think my Twitter is just at Keith Chesley. Uh, and and um, I don't, I think West Point's is at, at uh, West Point MBB. So um, definitely do that. Definitely give us a follow, check us out. Um, you know, I, I would, you know, love that. I'd love to talk to anybody, anybody else or you at any time. I'd really appreciate you having me on. So. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. If you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.